Lord, we thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And all your people said, amen. It is, it is not a secret uh, that our world is often highlighted by the things that divide us, right? There seems to be less and less we all agree on. We're separated by things like the, 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 the things we like, the places we live, our ideologies, our, our personal choices. But I think I found something that most of us can still agree on together. I think when I talk to people, we all kind of feel this way about this thing. And that is we don't actually like being surprised by things. Maybe outside the occasional birthday or a gift that was unexpected, I don't know anybody who wakes up saying, I really hope I'm surprised by things today. No one likes it when somebody jumps out from behind a corner to scare you, like Kathy and I do to each other all the time. (laughs) Nobody likes it uh, when an unexpected bill comes in. That's never uh, something that we're we're happy about. Nobody likes it when your middle schooler um, hides their signed papers from you for months because of their grades are bad. Right? I guess that's more of a dated reference because nowadays, like that's, that's a personal reflection on my own middle school experience. Um, because I've learned that y'all get your kids' grades sent to your email before they even see them. This is amazing and terrible. And, ter- and like, I would have had no social life if my parents saw my grades in middle school before me. I mean, I've been fine you know, later on in life, but middle school, that would have been rough. Somebody, I saw them look at their Apple Watch the other day and have dismay, and, and I said, what's, what's wrong? They said, I just got my kid's grade. You get your, grade, your kid's grades to your watch. Anyway, I'm done. All right, but none of us like being surprised. I, I, my, everybody I work with, other staff at our church, you know, like, I don't mind something not going well the way it's supposed to. I don't mind something that works out. I just don't want to be surprised by it, right? Don't let me be the last to find out. But if we pressed ourselves and looked at some of the most wonderful things in our lives, we recognize that some of the greatest gifts we've ever received all came as a product of a surprise. If you love what you do, when you were a kid, did you imagine this is what your profession would be? Did you see the exact person you're gonna marry in a dream or was their face the first time you saw it a surprise? Same thing, if if you have children, could you have imagined what it would have been like the first time you held them? Or if you are a transplant here in Mobile, could you imagine how great it is to live in the city? Or was it just a nice surprise to learn this is a pretty cool town? It's nice being this close to the beach and having people to do this life with. Much of life's greatest gifts come from the unknown. But we rarely welcome that reality because we're always focusing on what we already know rather than on the unknown. We're holding on to what we already believe instead of looking for new things. Daniel Gilbert wrote an essay about subconscious behaviors and he said, your brain can only perceive what is known. So when you choose what you want for your future, you're actually just recreating a solution of an ideal past. When things don't work out or go the way you want them to, you think you failed because you didn't recreate the thing as you perceived it to be. In reality, you likely experienced something better, but your brain misinterpreted as bad because it was new. 
I think of this with my, my daughter, August. She is in that super picky phase of life. She's in that phase where she, she really only has three food groups, cheese, fruit, and sugar, right? And I don't mean like the good sugar, because you got fruit sugar, which is fine, and then you got the other sugar, which mama doesn't let her have, but daddy does. Um, and, and, and she knows that she wants to recreate the good experience of eating these things, and so when given a choice for dinner, um, that's the three things that she wants. I want cheese, I want fruit, I want sugar in some capacity, right? And, and so we've enacted some new family rules. Like you cannot say in our house that you do not like something if you have not tried it, because you don't know if you like it or not. You haven't tried it. And you always have to have at least one bite of something that we have cooked, right? If we're cooking something for mom and dad, then, then, then the kids have to have at least one bite of it. And, and by and large, she takes that one bite just to appease us. But every so often, she, she'll get a bite of something that she, she takes with great suspicion. She's already made up in her mind that she's not gonna like it. But once it hits her taste buds, you can see in her eyes something change. You can see uh, that she doesn't want to admit something she doesn't want to have been wrong or to have been caught off guard, but we know that she has discovered something surprising. Our tendency to avoid surprises in life, it's not only something that makes us miss really good food, it can also cause us to miss the ways in which God is working in our lives. Because God is always doing surprising things. Jesus is many things, and he's nothing if not surprising. The way he came to the world was a surprise, and the way that he ascended after being resurrected was a surprise, and just the resurrection from the cross is a surprise. Here we are in a story that we just read. It happened late into the night on the first Easter Sunday, and Jesus is up to more surprising activities. We're continuing this series where we talk about Jesus shows up where we've been looking at the gospel stories about how Jesus shows up to the disciples after the resurrection, but before his ascension. These stories throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus is reconnecting with the disciples to show I have risen, to show that I am here to teach you. Jesus is showing them that there's still work to be done. And so here in this story, Jesus is showing up once again, right after the, the two disciples who were on their way to Emmaus. They had this walk to Emmaus. They had met with Jesus. They broke the bread. Remember, we read that two weeks ago. Well, they've run back to Jerusalem and they're telling everybody what happened. And now we pick up the story. That's what we, we just read. They're in mid-story telling everybody what Jesus has done and about how Jesus was walking with them. And it was so cool. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is like a ninja and he just shows up in the middle of the, the room and the doors are locked and they're all there. And he just says, peace be with you. And they're so scared that they think he is a ghost. Let's just imagine, imagine what it's like. You're there in this room, everybody's hanging out. You're just talking like this amazing thing happened. Jesus was walking with us. We didn't even know it was Jesus. And he broke the bread. And then we ran back here. We had to tell you all about it. And then Jesus, poof, peace be with you. It's almost like ironic, right? That they're describing something that is amazing about Jesus is amazing how he did this thing. And he does this thing again, and they don't even recognize it at first. So, it says they are terrified. And so he says, peace be with you. And then after he shows up, it's like he wants to prove to them that he is flesh and blood. Look at my hands, look at my wounds. And he says, and I'm hungry. Do I have anything to eat? 
You know, I've been in, I've been in a tomb for three days. Can somebody give me a snack? And they give him some broiled fish. It's almost like Jesus knew that some sort of like fleshly embodiment needed to be proved. Like the disciples had watched Casper, the friendly ghost, or, or, or had seen those Harry Potter movies, right? Where you always see the movies, the ghosts, like the food goes through them. So he's like, let me show you that I'm real. I am flesh, I am blood. Let me eat something in front of you. So they give him the fish. And after he's given his bona fides and proven that it's him, he does this surprising work, he offers him something amazing. Listen again, the Bible says this. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He says, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are the witnesses of these things. All of a sudden, the things that were confusing are now made clear. The things they didn't understand, they now can understand. The things that were unknown are now known because Jesus showed up. I love this story. I, I, I love, it's just, I feel like I'll probably be caught off guard too if Jesus showed up like a ghost. I, I love the fact that Jesus is still showing up after the resurrection and it echoes some of the stories we've already read. But it's, it's not just the gospels in which Jesus is doing surprising work. You know, Jesus' surprising activity is not limited to just the four books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I mean, do you remember what happened to Saul on the way to Damascus? Whenever he's a, a, a Jewish authority leader persecuting Christians, and all of a sudden, the most surprising thing in the world happened, he was blinded by Jesus, and eventually the scales fell off his eyes and he could see again and he, he changed his life and he changed his name to Paul and founded all these churches and wrote all these letters and we're still talking about it today because Jesus did something surprising in his life. In the accompanying lectionary text that goes with this gospel lesson in Acts 3, Peter and John, they were going up to the temple for prayer at three in the afternoon. And there was a man there who was lame from birth and he was being carried to the temple gate where he was put there every day to beg for people going to and from the temple courts. And he asks Peter and John for money, but he doesn't really look up. He's probably just looking down and, and Peter says, look at us. And so he looks up expecting to get something. And, and Peter says to him, gold and silver we do not have, but we have something much greater. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And so they go and they help him up and he walks and he's able to jump and dance and he goes into the temple and he's telling all these people, look what has happened, I can walk. And they say, isn't this a man who used to sit outside and was lame and now he's walking? He says, yes, it's me. And when Peter saw this and he saw their confusion, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Jesus shows up through the apostles in an unexpected, surprising, and life-changing way. And it's also, it's kind of funny that, that, that Peter asks, why does this surprise you? Like a man was just lame, and now he's dancing. He couldn't walk, and now he can. I mean, you get it, don't you? You understand why it's surprising? 
Do you understand why the disciples were terrified when ghost Jesus shows up in their midst? Because neither of those are something we've ever seen before. They're not something we could predict or expect or plan. And that's what surprises are. Surprises are the things we've never seen. Surprises are the things that you can't expect. And sometimes they're things you can't even dream up. By definition, surprises are unknown or else it wouldn't be a surprise. And therein lies the rub. God works in surprising ways. Jesus shows up in a surprising fashion, but we tend to only view the world through our lens of previous experiences. We evaluate our happiness by comparing each moment to the past and asking, does this measure up to what I've experienced before? Does this measure up to my own knowledge? Remember what we just read a second ago. Daniel Gilbert said, your brain can only perceive what is known. So when you choose what you want for the future, you're actually recreating a solution from the past. In his book, Blink, Malcolm Gladwell says something pretty similar. Our only frame of reference at any given time is what happened in the past. We actually have no means to determine what will truly make us happy in the future. The problem is, we limit our ability to encounter Christ when we only look for how Jesus showed up in previous experiences and are not open to the possibility that God might be doing something new. When we refuse to allow Jesus to surprise us, we confine God's activity to our past. If Jesus is showing up in surprising ways in the gospels, and in our own lives, it will be in something we've never experienced before. It'll be something you didn't expect, something you couldn't predict, maybe even something you could never have imagined. This is why it hurts me so much when a person tells me that they've lost their faith because they don't encounter God the way they used to. This often happens with people who've had really major religious experiences, right? People who like a youth who's gone off to a retreat and been on that mountain high or a college kid who went to the Passion Conference in Atlanta or maybe an adult who's been on an Emmaus walk and just had this really rich encounter with the Holy Spirit. They transform their lives and they come back to church on Sunday mornings and, and maybe they even raise their hands. I don't know, it might get crazy. They're just all of a sudden on fire for the Lord and they're reading their Bible and they're praying and it's just so good. And then life happens. And then you don't make it to church a few weeks in a row. You, you, you don't have as much time to read your Bible. Maybe something tragic happens in your life and slowly that fire just kind of burns out. And so you, you turn back to the things that worked before and all of a sudden they, they don't work like they did last time. I don't discover God the way I did. Maybe you go back to the Emmaus to lead the retreat. Maybe you go back to the youth retreat. Maybe you go back to passion. Maybe you show up to worship expecting to feel all the feels, the way that you, you really encounter God when you were just on fire. And it's just not there. And it feels like maybe God has abandoned you. Or like you don't hear God like once whenever you were a really good Christian. When I have those own moments in my life, when I have those times where I feel like I can't find God, I have to stop and ask myself, have I looked or am I just expecting something that's already happened before? Am I truly discerning and desiring and looking 
for the way Jesus is showing up? Or am I just hoping to experience my past experiences? Because God is not limited to the past. God is surprising. God does new things. God loves us so much that God wants to offer us something more than just what he's offered us before. God wants to do and make and bring new things each and every day into our lives. It was surprising the way you first discovered God. It was wonderful and overwhelming. So why don't you think God wants to offer that surprise again? That's exactly what God wants. God wants to continue offering grace upon grace, new life upon new life. Jesus wants to show up in new ways. Maybe it's in worship, maybe it's in prayer, maybe it's going on a, a, on a, on a trip or a retreat or something new. I, I don't know the new ways God might be showing up in your life. Maybe it's on a song, on the radio, and all of a sudden you're like, I haven't heard God here before, but now I hear God. What a wonderful surprise. But it's also that God might be surprising you in ways that might be tough. But sometimes if God is gonna be surprising and show up in ways you can't predict, then maybe uh, God is trying to show up by speaking through somebody who's on the other side of this divided world, right? If we are all created in the image of God and Jesus calls us to love our enemy, how surprising would it be if all of a sudden we heard Jesus speaking through the least expected person? What if Jesus is showing up in a way that is challenging? If you are on one side of a political aisle, what if somebody is speaking the word of God from the other side? Will you recognize it or will it not look like the past? If you go to one type of school, what if your friend from the other type of school is communicating to you some truths about Jesus? Will you be surprised by it or, or shut it down? What if you are young? Will you hear God speaking through somebody who is older? What if you are a lifelong Christian? Will you recognize the surprising word of God that might come from somebody who just showed up to church for the first time? Or you say, you haven't been here in my past. I don't know you. So you can't be the person who Jesus is speaking to me through. Will you allow yourself to believe that Jesus wants to do something surprising in you and to you and maybe even through you for somebody else. If you're only looking for God in the familiar, you will miss the way Jesus shows up. And Jesus is nothing, if not surprising, both in the gospels, in our own lives, and in eternity. You know, in every time we do funerals at our church, we begin with the, the greeting and the words of grace. They're some of the most comforting words, I think, that we ever utter. And at the very end of it, we, we quote 1 John 3, which is actually the accompanying, other accompanying lectionary text for this morning. And in his first letter, John writes this, Beloved, we are God's children. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this, when he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. What we will be has not yet been revealed. Eternity is gonna be surprising. We often talk in here and other places about what heaven's gonna be like. You know, we're gonna have crowns and mansions and, and there gonna be streets paved to gold and all the things, I'm not sure. But I know one thing, it's gonna be surprising. 
and it's gonna be the best surprise we could ever possibly hope to experience. It's gonna be better than the best thing we could imagine because God's surprise is eternal. What God has in store for you has not yet been revealed, but when it is, this is gonna be so good that it could not even be imagined. And I believe we're getting glimpses of it here on earth. We're getting glimpses of heaven because Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven to earth. And so these surprises where Jesus shows up in our lives are actually a reflection of our eternity with God. And if you're just looking for your own earthly experiences, your own past things, (laughs) then you'll be missing how heaven is showing up in your life now. So my prayer is this, that we will not hold so tightly to the things that we have done (laughs) that we cannot see what God is doing. We will not hold so tightly to the things that we've believed about God that God can't teach us something new about himself. And that in all things, we might be surprised. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.